Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices from faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. Dr. Josh Ornelas, who is currently the assistant principal at Bishop Conady, Our Lady of Laredo High School in Los Angeles, California, joins the Teacher's Lounge today. We're going to talk about a specialty of his, project-based learning. But before we do, let me also share that Josh has been a Catholic educator for over a decade, which includes the Director of Technology and other positions of instructional leadership. Uh, he received his educational doctoral degree from California State University, Fullerton, with a focus on uh, project-based learning. And he also specializes in technology infrastructure. He enjoys coaching teachers and the, the embrace of technology and other 21st century skills in the classroom. And we're honored to have you to, here to talk with us today, Josh. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. So excited. Yeah, it's great to have you. And I wanted to begin by just hearing about what drew you to faith-based education. How did you get into Catholic education? Well, I was a, a recent college graduate and didn't have much play, much uh, anywhere really to go. And so reached out to a couple schools and one of the schools that reached out to me hired me as a social science teacher and they just saw that my hobby was technology was at the school for a little bit, ended up going to transitioning into public school. But because I had that emphasis of technology, Apple, they were, mm. they had just come out with the uh, Apple iPad. And when I was at this school, they were like, hey, you're using this technology pretty interestingly. I don't think that's a word, but you know, you're using this technology in in an education way and not a consumer way. So I stayed in contact with them, talked to them a lot about different technology. And when I had gone to the public sector, I still kept in contact with them. Uh, St. Anthony's High School in Long Beach was looking for a technology director and the Apple rep said, I know just the guy. <laughs> um, so reach out to me. I had, believe it or not, like six or seven interviews because the school was about to do an iPad program, one-to-one -one iPads and there is no high school that had done it and they wanted to make sure that someone was responsible to do it. So I got into Catholic education just by pure accident, just because yeah. my hobby led me to my career, just because I messed with technology in the classroom. I wanted to be a teacher since I was in third grade, but one of my priest friends always has told me that the easiest way to make God laugh is to tell him your plan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and so as fate would have it, I ended up finding myself as a director of technology at St. Anthony's High School in Long Beach, ran their iPad program. We did a lot of technology stuff. But then in uh, about 2015, schools were starting to look at STEM, STEAM, STREAM, everything. But, and one of the biggest components of those uh, disciplines was project-based learning. Now, I had known a little bit about it, but I didn't know too much about it. So when I got told, see what these schools are doing and how they're doing these things, one of the things I had learned about was project-based learning. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with it because of the fact that it's so applicable in life. Like, yeah. how do you not learn something by just practicing with your hands? Yeah, um, yeah. 
So because of that, I just got myself very immersed with the technology. And maybe it's just because, like I said, I, I love to work with my hands. I have a green thumb. I love woodworking. And it's just a lot of fun to do. Yeah. So that's how I kind of got into project-based learning is just by a pure accident and, and the same thing with faith-based schools. Um, I have been asked to go into public sector, but the fact that I could bring in my faith and my God is one of the biggest things that I enjoy because I get to tell a student that God made you in a special way. Yeah. And I get to express how I got through my troubles with my faith because faith for me, it has something that has helped me get through a lot of struggles in life. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many times things have looked bad or gone bad, I just remember that there's always a reason and I just have to put my faith and trust in God. Mm -hmm. And I have been. And since then I've been flourishing with project-based learning and in education. And I love it. Not a day goes by that I wake up and I go, oh, going to work. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to work with my students and especially excited to work with my teachers and bringing in the faith has been a real powerful tool doing these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I think uh, the, the growth, the recent growth of what seems to be a growth in project-based education somehow is connected to one-to-one -one devices. I think that that does seem to simplify the process. Maybe I'm wrong. So tell me what your thoughts are there. Is there, do you see a connection between one-to-one -one and, and project-based learning? Absolutely. The fact that you have a device where it has a wealth of knowledge all over yeah. um, is just so great. There's so much as as a person that loves doing research, there's new research that's coming out every single yeah. day. And, you know, having students being able to look up the latest research or the latest study, or what does the data say about something, or how do you put something together? Or, you know, they, they always say that there's multiple ways of doing things. So mm -hmm. why not learn about those multiple ways? Yeah. And because, or, or learn something. There's so many different things that I have learned through the internet with YouTube and uh, just Google searching it. Yeah. And one of the things I like to tell my students is that just Google it. And the reason why is because I guarantee someone else has had that same issue yeah. or has an answer for you. Yeah. Um, but when I work with the teachers, I try to make sure that it's something that's ungoogleable. That's one of the things. And the technology in project-based learning is only, is great because of the fact that it allows the connection between professionals and students. You know, we are in Los Angeles and the Aquarium of the Pacific is all the way down in Long Beach. How awesome is it that our students get to talk with marine biologists that are in Long Beach or yeah. marine or just other scientists around the world? Uh, we've recently put in applications to talk to the astronauts out mm. in, um, at the space station. Wow. So the technology is just, it's only bringing us together. Yeah. But like I always tell people, too, is that I'm a big comic book fan. You know, with technology, it, Uncle Ben said it best that with great power comes great responsibility. Great, great power. That's right. Amen. And Peter so the Parker. teacher's role with that technology is to guide them. Yeah. How do you look up reliable sources? How do you know mm -hmm. this is a reliable source? Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things I think teachers have had the hardest thing to grasp with with the advent of technology is that. 
they're no longer the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a big uh, fear that I hear from some educators. I think I had that too. I was in a one-to-one kind of pilot program at the school that I was teaching at. We brought in iPads for students. And my biggest question at the time, because I was kind of stuck in, you know, typical teacher mindset is, well, how do we keep our students from cheating on the test if they all have a device? And obviously the answer is, well, you make your test so that they can't cheat. You, you use the technology to help them and not and not to cheat. And so you can unpack that a little bit. But I think that goes back to, you know, uh, how you use technology in the classroom and how it how the teacher's not the expert any longer necessarily mm-hmm. in the classroom. Yeah. And it, in, uh, in classroom management, too, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's being being accepting that you are a guide now. Mm-hmm. And and most teachers have embraced that and mm-hmm. use the technology to their advantage. Yeah. Well, when you think about the explosion of information that's available today, I just saw, and I'm not going to be, this is just coming to mind, so I'm not prepared to to share a link or anything, but I saw there's an archaeological firm or a, a website that is doing reconstruction on some, like web-based reconstruction. You can see these, you know, seven wonders of the world or whatever being reconstructed in, in a, almost a 3D experience on yeah. your on your tablets. I mean, what an amazing opportunity for students uh, to explore. And the problem is that there's more for students to learn today than we could ever fit into kind of a linear instructional path, right? So one of the benefits, I think, of technology and project-based learning is that it kind of helps diversify learning based on students' interests and things that they would naturally be interested in. Student interests and not only like when, when you're working with a group of students, you're able to work in anywhere Yeah, as long as there's internet connection. We're very fortunate and blessed that the Los Angeles Archdiocese provides iPads for underprivileged um, individuals and they have LTE on, on it as well. So oh, wow. the fact that we're able to work, the students are able to work anywhere, anytime is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And for non- geek kind of people, LTE is just cell service, right? So they could yes. access the internet with through their cell service rather than Wi-Fi. Yeah. A, a lot of big uh, push of that was because of the, the pandemic doing, doing a lot of that. And of course, you know, just surveying students and families uh, if they have internet at home and um, yeah, it was, I mean, there was a, there were, I mean, that whole, we can go a whole another yeah. route with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another topic, another day. So, so you did some of your doctoral work in project-based learning as well, right? Yes. Yes. A big focus of it was just project-based learning and why schools need to, high schools especially, need to work on integrating this into the curriculum. So I focused on the implementation of project-based learning at a school uh, and because they had tried to implement it and it wasn't successful. So getting feedback, interviews, talking to teachers, uh, looking at what research says about implementation. What is PBL World? PBL World, by the way, is one of the biggest PBL companies. Uh, They have a big conference in June. I don't know the dates, but it's called PBL World. An amazing conference. I highly recommend if anybody is interested in PBL, that would be something that you would want to check out. PBL World, you know, just seeing all this, getting all this information and then interviewing the teachers and asking them what was missing when project-based learning was implemented or attempted 
um, to be implemented at the school for the first time. And so I focused on that. And that was something that opened my eyes as to why some schools just give up on project-based learning. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes down to the person in charge of the implementation and administration. Biggest thing that teachers say that they need when it comes to project-based learning, it's not professional development, it's feedback. Mm -hmm. They need feedback because they don't know if they're doing it right. So that was probably the the thing that that I enjoyed seeing because it just shows that us teachers are still students. Yeah. We need to know how we can be better. Yeah. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. You know, interesting that you focused on why it failed, where it was attempted or or maybe it was abandoned or maybe failure is too strong of a word. But let's back up and just talk about why it should be embraced. What what would be your sermonette, you know, two-minute sermon on why schools should lean into project-based learning if, if they aren't already? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's we all work in groups. Mm-hmm. We're not in cubicles anymore. We work as a team. Um, the other thing is that no single problem is solved by a single discipline anymore. We so again we need to work as a team, because it's the twenty first excuse me those twenty first century skills that these students need the four C's the collaboration communication creativity, and um, communication, um, all of that makes PBL work and those skills are the skills that the employers are asking for in the real yeah. world. Yeah, you know I work at a I'm an administrator at a school. I, yes. Do I do some things alone? Absolutely. But more often than not, I'm kind of in like this workspace with two other administrators and we're working on one project at a time sometimes. Yeah. So it's so applicable in real life because again, the using your hands uh, is another thing. Uh, my daughter, she's nine years old and I remember at my age already knowing how to use a saw. Yeah. And so we need to help these kids grow as well because technology, as great as technology is, it kind of like hinders these students for the real world because they're not exposed to real world problems. And that's another reason, you know, the exposure to real world problems. Yeah. And along with that would be, I'm thinking, you know, about my own kids and the fact that you know, they're on their tablets a lot, playing games. Failure is not a real thing in the game world, right? Whereas real world problems come with real world messiness, real world failure. And and that's something that we need to help our students learn to deal with. Yeah. As much as I enjoy and, and feel that everybody is a winner and stuff, it's not the way it works in the real world. Yeah. You know, I mean, I apply, if I apply for a job and I don't get it, they don't send me an Olive Garden gift card saying, thanks for trying, (laughs) you know, (laughs) sometimes they don't send anything, you know, but it's just, we have to prepare these students because I want to make sure that heaven forbid, if I'm had to have surgery, that this person that's going to operate on me actually operated on a cadaver or whatever they did mm-hmm. because they've, they know what it feels like. They yeah. know how the pressure tech, again, technology, great, but how would a virtual or something that's virtual 
show me how much pressure to put when I'm slicing mm-hmm. something open. It's so applicable in real life. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things I like to say too is the fact that you could read a book all day. You could read it. You can, but when you start putting it into play, if I read a book about climbing trees, I'm not gonna climb the tree that well. But if I go to a tree and say, "Hmm, let me look at this tree." put my hand on this branch. Oh, this branch is really bending. I shouldn't go on that branch. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just applicable in real life all over. Yeah. Yeah. And we think about how we learn as, as small children, as toddlers and how we learn as adults, it is very project-based, right? Problem-based, project-based. And for some reason in those middle, middle years, K to 12, we have adopted this mindset of we're going to teach math isolated from science, isolated from social studies, whereas project-based learning can bring all of those disciplines together. I think that's awesome. Not only does it bring them together, but one of the things that project-based, project-based learning does is that it makes the student excited about the project. It makes the student excited about learning. Your, your child, when they were small, naturally curious, what does this do? I, I, my 18th month old the other day put his hand over the stove. I'm like, what are you doing, man? And he's like, what? Yeah. But he learned that you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so all the time, that curiosity as a kid, we're, we're told as a kid, embrace that curiosity, embrace it, embrace it, embrace it. But then when you get, like you said, when you get into school, suddenly it's no more curiosity. These are the subjects you need to learn. If you want to go to the bathroom, you need to raise your hand. It, you didn't do it the right way. So, and then when they get into high school, it's, uh, excuse me, miss or Mr. So-and-so, how do I do this? They're asking constant questions because they want to make sure they're doing it right. Why can't we let the student just figure it out on their own and then show them, guide them again? So we've lost, in education, there's a point where we tell the students to forget about that curiosity. Uh-huh. And then when they go into high or college, they're told to bring that curiosity back. But by then, they're, the, their mind is kind of like set in stone a little bit. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think, uh, so I'm going back to what you said, that the main thing that those schools who've tried it and maybe abandoned it were looking for is feedback. Am I doing this correctly? And that really resonates with me because, um, you know, as a teacher, we want to, we want to teach properly, effectively. We don't want to lose control. And there's an aspect about project-based learning, maybe this is revealing my own ignorance about it, but it feels like it's a complete loss of control or at least a partial loss of control. In other words, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to hand the learning over to the student to identify what they want to learn. How do we even manage this? So what would you say to someone who might find themselves in that camp? Yeah. And that, that's actually a, a really good point is that, like you said, it's like giving the keys to the car and saying like, go ahead and head out on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to fail. A lot of it comes down to trust. You need to establish trust from the very beginning. Students, kids, teenagers inherently do not trust adults. So you got to lower yourself down, not lower yourself, but lower your walls a little bit and let the students see who is Dr. Josh Ornelas, who is Mr. Michael Arnold, 
You know, who are these individuals? And then when you establish this trust and not only, and, and you don't even have to have the students agree with you on something. You know, you can say like, I like to go to the beach. What do you like to do? Oh, you don't like to go to the beach? Where's a place you like to go? So again, you establish that trust. Once the trust is established, then you can hand over the keys to the students. But you want to work on this together with the students. It's a collaborative project. Work on the rubric together. What are expectations that you have as a group, as a class, and as the teacher? I taught a class, a uh, music production class, and I, that's what I did with my students. And I said, one of the things is on the rubric, how long should the video be? And I left it up to them. I wanted five to seven minutes. Six minutes would have been beautiful. But one student, and I said, this is what I'm asking of you to do. And it was a good list. Students said, two minutes. No, no, no. We, you, can't, you guys are going to be able to do all that? Okay, okay. Maybe five minutes. Um, one of the students, why don't we do five to seven? So they came up with it on their own. Uh-huh. And then it's checking in with the students. You know, every Monday I'm meeting with group one. What are you doing? What is something you've uh, encountered? A reflection journal. What is something you worked on today for your project? The check-ins have are probably the best way to go about it because it could be that's your participation for the day. Um, show me what you're working on. Are, is there any friction in the group? You know, you could be that mediator between the students if mm-hmm. there's any friction amongst uh, shared duties. So that's one of the things I like. Yeah, and I like that you say establish trust. It sounds like that also involves establishing trust in your own maybe philosophy of education in the, in the trust or trusting that students are natural learners, that Mm -hmm. people want to learn. You have to trust that instinct, but then also trust that they're people. So you outlined, you know, accountability, guidance, checking in, you know, mediation, students are people and they're going to need a lot of the same support that people everywhere need when it comes to living and working together. So (laughs) trusting that they're going to fail, but also trusting that they'll succeed both sides of the coin. That's, that's an interesting uh, idea. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's, it's good because then you as the teacher get to bring in your struggles in faith that you, Mm -hmm. that helped you. You know, what Bible verse has helped me get through some of them uh, through these times like, oh, I was so stressed and everything. Well, maybe maybe you should pray. Yeah. Maybe pray, pray, yeah. pray to God on, pray on about this, this. you know, <laughs> let's pray about this together, you know. Um, That's awesome. And yeah. So, yeah. So why project-based learning? But let's talk about a process. Let's say that I'm a school that, you know, recognizes that we have several steps to take before we can launch into project-based learning, or maybe we're, we just have a lot of hesitation, what, what process would you encourage a school or steps would you encourage them to take as they lean towards you know, more project-based learning? Uh, first thing is you, you really, I would just, if this is a decision that needs to be made, it needs to be made as a, as a group, you know, as, as, a, as a whole collective school. I mean, for us as a school, we're one individual school, so we don't have to follow any real guidelines set, you know, so we get to decide initiative. So as a school, you decide, like, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to go. Because if you just tell people, we're going to do project-based learning, like, yeah. okay, like, yeah. you need to have a roadmap. And yeah. on that roadmap is, first is telling the people what we're going to do. And, it, and the biggest thing is explaining why, 
Uh-huh. The why of it is important. Simon Sinek, everybody knows the video of Simon Sinek. So always start with why. And if you haven't seen that video, that's a plug, actually. You, you could actually have people see it. Such a great yes, video. Yes, I, um, I confirm that. That's a great video. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and then the other thing is, if you, and then just say, like, do we have any volunteers that would love to be interested? And I guarantee you'll have at least one or two people. Mm-hmm. And then those two people become your leaders, the PBL leaders for this initiative. And they are responsible for looking up schools, finding schools, doing observations at other schools, talking to people, going to different workshops of professional development, pilot it. And then you, the teacher who who is a volunteer, you pilot it in your class. And then as the administrator, like if I'm the administrator in charge of it, I'm, I, I'm a hype man. So I'm, I'm the type of person, y'all check out what this, what, what Mr. Arnold did in his class today was project-based learning, you know? And yeah, it's just like laughing in a room where there's no laughing and someone starts laughing. Eventually it's going to catch on, mm-hmm. you know? And so those teachers that don't want to do it, don't worry about it. Don't invest your energy, you know, mm-hmm. invest your energy in the ones that really want to do it. And then as you go from the teacher and you're like, hey, this is working, then you start sending some to uh, the workshops. And then again, you have them be the coaches. And then you work with either as a department and you say, all right, let's have the Spanish department do it and the social science department do it the first semester. And then the second semester, we'll look at the other the other ones. So it's just a matter of telling people your your roadmap, explaining the why, asking for volunteers, and then it's about doing your your research. I'm a very hands-on administrator, so I, I work with my team. I guide them and help them as much as possible. What what safeguards or checks and balances or warnings have you built in to make sure that we're not just doing fun things, that we're still covering the, you know, the guaranteed minimum curriculum? How do we make sure that we're still getting our, the skills, the, the content that has to be covered no matter what? How do you, how do you process that? So a lot of it is just working on a project that could possibly embed a lot of the, those things that you want to, that you're going to be covering in the content. We had a math teacher not too long ago who w- did something on the angles and shapes for her geometry class. And so one of the things that she had her students work on is designing, because we had what's called the Bishop Conady Market, and so with booths. So they had to construct where it all where booths would go okay. based off of angles shapes uh shape lengths like width height all that so it's all right you've learned it now let's go use it in the real world um you know when when we were working from home and students were learning from home that's one of the things i told these teachers is have these students work on something that's real life. Yeah. Like have them go look on Google on Google Maps. Have them measure their front yard or a front yard and they are responsible for resodding and putting new grass in there. So those are the so if you've learned square feet, inches, all that stuff, you could use that mm-hmm. in the, those classes. And so or you could do it reverse and you could say, "All right, you're responsible for making a garden." How are you going to design it 
and what's going to be the best method of designing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's built in opportunities to collaborate, to refine, to make suggestions, to redirect, and even bring in, you know, micro lessons from time to time to help students along the way. So that's, and exactly, that's where those meetings will happen. When you have those meetings and those check-in meetings with your students and you're asking, what are, are you okay? Are you understanding this? You know what? This, this calculation just doesn't make sense to me, or this theorem doesn't make sense to me, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me look at what you're doing wrong. Ah, I see what's going on. Yeah. So, again, you are still checking in on the students. Yeah. But in the context of a real world problem or real world project where the student's going to be more open to that, that input and that direction. It's going to make more, it's going to be more relevant, which I think is what's amazing about project-based learning is, is just the high degree of relevance that you can get out of this, this instructional approach. Yes. And that's one thing we have to work on with our students is that to let them know that we're just trying to help you. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. <laughs> so how do students typically receive this? Uh, what are some of the, maybe some stories that you could share about you know, how students have, have been receptive or maybe not as receptive and why? So the students that I have worked with have been very receptive to it. They've liked it. They've even gotten um, jobs and um, internships because of things that they learned with project-based learning. One of the students I had, she was the video, it was again, a media productions project and they had, it was a, a CBL. So CBL is challenge-based learning. So there's so many, there's this IBL inquiry-based learning, there's problem slash project-based learning, which is PBL. There's challenge-based learning, which is the students, challenge-based is where they challenge themselves. They come up with the challenge. Yeah. So I gave them a CBL assignment and that CBL assignment was, what is something that is happening in the city of Long Beach that we could help prevent. And one of the biggest thing, one of the groups came up with the uh, littering pollution, that there's a lot of trash that comes off the ops, uh, from the, uh, from the rivers and everything. And so that they made an amazing video. I mean, they interviewed the mayor of Long Beach. It was such a great video. It was a video on pollution, but it was a media productions class. And this student, I had a student that interviewed for the Port of Long Beach to be part of their like social media team and making videos. So she took that video that she made, used it for her job interview and got hired. Wow. <laughs> so, so her doing a project-based assignment led her to a job where she's yeah. using things that I helped her learn in that class. Yeah. I, we talk about college and career readiness. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. and that's, that's where, you know, the student, and then the other thing is how to talk to people. How, one of the things that we had established is how do you interview people? So that was another thing. And, you know, what do you say? What do you not say? How do you respond? So another student had gotten um, a job with the, uh, the uh, Long Beach Telegram. Um, and then... The best one, I think I have a story. It's kind of like a project-based learning story, but it was a student that was working with his hands. Mm -hmm. And this young man didn't, he was at a college preparatory school, didn't 
didn't care to be there because he quote unquote told me, well, he told me that he did not want to go to college. He's like, I don't need to go to college. I'm going to be a barber. I'm like, okay, well, you still need to go to college to be a, you know, go to beautician school and learn how to do a proper uh, haircut. So, and he was frustrated because he's like, I want to get an internship or uh, I want to get an apprenticeship to do this. And, and I made a deal with him and said that if you get your grades up to at least a high C average, I will let you cut my hair every two weeks. <laughs> and he did. Wow. He cut my hair every two weeks. <laughs> and he was so scared. He was so scared. And I said, look, the only, because the, he's like, well, what if I mess up? And he said, well, the difference between for me for a good haircut and a bad haircut is two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but using the, doing that technique, he got a barber gig. So it was just hearing these students that have actually used their hands and got a job out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What about the other end of the spectrum? So I'm an elementary school teacher. What age level, what grade level can we start, and in your opinion, start implementing these principles of project-based learning, challenge-based learning, inquiry-based learning, and how might that look, you know, from grade to grade? Any any thoughts along those lines? You know, I haven't really focused too much on the younger grades, mm -hmm. but I know that it does happen. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it revolves around the idea of, I mean, because sometimes kids just you know, they have no filter. They'll just yeah. say it. Yeah. Like, oh, you should put a park here, you know, we yeah. need a slide. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like, all right, well then if you got the chance to design a park, what would you have in the park? You know, like, and then ask the kids and say, oh, I want a T-Rex slide. Oh, well, what would the T-Rex slide look like? And then they're designing it. Yeah. You know, I saw a video, I think it was on Edutopia of a, of a group of kids and they did do that and they were in the lower grades where they met with the mayor and said this park is in shambles and we need to do something about it and the mayor figured out a way to get money and the the kit the student designs were there yeah um i've also seen things with like showing an actual picture of like a butterfly and then showing a picture of a butterfly and saying like what's the difference between this picture and this picture and then showing the students and demonstrating what iteration is what does it look like okay and then you show them another picture and like oh is this getting better or what would you add to this if you wanted to make it better uh -huh. um so yeah so th yeah. those are the ways i have seen it with the younger ones yeah yeah so when you talk about you know, some of the, you mentioned a few resources at Utopia and others that might support this. What other resources would you recommend? You've mentioned PBL World and what yeah. else is out there? So PB, uh, so PBL World is actually part of a company called PBL Works. Okay. They're, they're based up in central California. Uh, Bob Lamar, L-A-M-A-R, I want to say is this. He's like the one that's, <laughs> the PBL guy. I get a lot of my sources from there uh, at Utopia. And the biggest one that I love is Twitter. Okay. Twitter yeah. is for me the biggest one. I'll use hashtag PBL project, see what individuals are doing at other schools because it's just like a beautiful message board. Yeah. Um, and then you your, yourself as a teacher could say, oh, this would work really great or this wouldn't work really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, I know, uh, and and so STEAM is kind of an avenue of of project-based learning, STEAM, STEM. Florida practices STREAM. We've got a lot of schools in Florida, and Florida has some great resources for STREAM projects. So that's that's another resource. Uh, Expeditionary learning. Are you familiar with that? I think that might be another no. uh, another approach. Eleducation.org, eleducation.org, and that's more. I would say that's probably more inquiry based, but it could be it could involve some projects as well. So, yeah, I'll have to check those out. Yeah, well, and I'm certainly not an expert. I but but uh, I think what I'm hearing you say though is network, network, network. Right? Like reach out to other people, ask questions, learn from other people. Um, that's a, a great practice just across the board. So, I mean, we tell our students to always do it, to go yeah. ask questions. If you don't yeah. know how to do it, we need to practice what we preach. Absolutely. You know, um, as student, as like, I, I, yes, I have my doctorates, but I'm still a student. Yeah. You know, I'm still learning. I still go to class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, maybe, uh, I think I asked you earlier, but don't know if we got into this. What about pitfalls or warnings? So I'm getting ready to jump in. Maybe I'm going to jump in with, with both feet and I'm going to try something at my, in my classroom, whether the rest of my school wants to do it or not <laughs> as a teacher. What would you warn me about? What would you uh, tell me to just be on the lookout for, uh, to watch out for as I dive into this? Just be open. You have to be open-minded and you... It may work. It may not work. It may fail. It may drastically fail, but you're not going to know until you try. Mm-hmm. So just be aware. You may think of every possible um, scenario of where it could go wrong or it could go right. But at the end of the day, you don't know. So yeah. you just got to be ready, quick on your feet, and then be honest with the students. If they if the website isn't working that they have to go to for that particular project, and you're like, oh, that website's not working anymore. Like, oh my gosh. So it's not a failure. Just all right, well, let's try and find something new. Try something new. Um, yeah, the, the, but one of the, that, I think that's probably the, that one. And then the other one is letting go because you're, you've been used to, and I'm not speaking to anybody direct, directly, but you know, you see your students out there and now they're, they're in rows and now we're getting desks that are rolling. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea of like your classroom is a classroom, but it's also a workspace as well for these students. And so you are going to have to be prepared for chaos where there's paper, there's cardboard boxes on the floor, there's cardboard knives over there, electrical stuff. It's, but organized chaos. And then you, you, you know, have students create, create duties for the students. Um, You know, so-and-so, uh, Group member number four is always responsible for picking up the trash. Think you just got to be on on your feet. And us educators, we are always thinking on our feet. Yeah. And you know, it just hey, if the day went great, awesome. But if it didn't, yeah, try again tomorrow. <laughs> try again tomorrow. <laughs> hey, because you ex- showing students that you're accepting failure mm-hmm. shows them that it's okay that it didn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm also thinking, you know, where we are with, you know, the last two years in education, it's been so disruptive, you know, as it is. So why, why not? Why not? You know, why not do school differently? Why not try something new, you know, and just, you know, branch out? I mean, we've, we've tried new things already, right? Yeah. And well, see, the thing is, is like you you were saying it just a little bit ago about 
trying new things, a, a lot of disruptions. You know, students have computers, they have iPads, but those computers, iPads have a lot of distractions. You don't think I want to play Candy Crush sometimes during ad- admin meetings? <laughs> you know? Guilty. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, so you have to do stuff that won't distract students. Mm-hmm. You have to create projects, like I said earlier, that are ungoogable. Yeah. yeah. Um, a CBL project. Have the students come up with the problem. Yeah. Doing those things prevents students from being distracted and also keeping an open mind and letting students do something that they are so passionate about. Like our students, a good group of them are into anime. So why am I going to focus on something that I like as opposed to what they like? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, you know, we're having this conversation about project-based learning because that's something I love. Uh You know, yeah. But if you ask me to let's talk about you know grading procedures and stuff, I'm gonna be like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Not as fun, which is probably a big question. Like, how do you grade this stuff? And I and I know that there's a lot of information out there. So maybe just to kind of wrap things up, I just wanted to ask you a question about you know predicted student achievement. Here I am as a teacher, putting myself in the, in the shoes of a teacher. It's like, but you know, my main job is to prepare my students for what comes next. And if I back away from all of this control and hand it over to the students, if we have this huge element of unpredictability in the classroom, because now we're going to pursue some projects, how can I ensure that my students will achieve what they need to achieve this year in order for them to pick up where they need to pick up next year? So what are your observations when it comes to student achievement and, and project-based learning? The student, I mean, the research that, that has been out already has shown that students that do project-based learning in classrooms outscore students significantly mm-hmm. that you actually use the books and the that type of stuff. The, the traditional way, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah. So it's, the data's there. And the data, I mean, for me, it's like, that yeah. the proof is in the pudding, you right. know, it's, and, and it works. The other thing is that you have to communicate. Communication is, it's a 21st century skill. It's a mm-hmm. life skill. I, I mean, I need to communicate with my wife and my friends and my family and everything to let them know what's going on in my life. So it's the same thing with teachers. If I'm teaching algebra or geometry and then, or yeah, geometry, and then that teacher, the next teacher is teaching algebra two. I tell my teachers in March, you need to talk to that next teacher and make sure that you're doing what they need to do next year. Cause the end of your year is the foundation of next year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's communication with the teachers. It's talking to one another. You know, I have to get through this, this, and this because I need to make sure Mr. Arnold has his students already and good to go for that. Yeah. That would be it's it's communication. Well, and and just because you embrace project based learning doesn't mean you're stepping away from standards or uh, your conceptual framework for your courses or your, you know, your course outcomes. Right. You're still going to keep those in mind but achieve Mm -hmm. those more in a project-based way. Achieve them in a project-based way. Your learning objective's still the same. Nothing's changing. It's just how you're going about Mm -hmm. it 
to achieve that objective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, but you're giving your students the opportunity to achieve more and maybe Mm -hmm. even enjoy it more, which is, you know, a blessing. Enjoy it more. And they're going to be more involved because at the end of the day, we, we know what we're passionate about and having students group together and, you know, Hey, I'm really good at movies and recording and doing this. Can I do something like that? Getting your talents and utilizing them for something you enjoy, because that student that enjoys that technology is probably going to look for a job in technology. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to not, I'm going to pick on my history folks. Cause I'm a history person, but my, that if he doesn't like history, like, why am I going to have him focus on Abraham Lincoln when he doesn't like Abraham? Lincoln? Yeah. But you know who he does like? He likes Thomas Jefferson or he likes George Washington or any of these other presidents. So because he's so then he or she is going to be very involved in that project because you're letting them enjoy something that they enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that brings us all the way back around to why faith based instruction in the first place. Right. Like we recognize that our students have been uniquely created with with a set of gifts and talents and interests and quirks even that make them human and make them a blessing to be around. So why not tap into that? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, our Lord God, the creator, you know, our world was a project based was is a project. (laughs) That's right. It just wasn't there. You know, we were a dark abyss and God says, I'm going to get a little bit of this. You go, you know, and then you put it all together and, you know, and our faith tells us that we need to be great stewards Mm-hmm. And being a great steward is about doing things for God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what better way to do something for God and for our faith than doing something that's going to help the community, the mm-hmm. world, the society, everything. Uh, yeah. So Peter 410, I, I have some quotes here because I, I went through the went through it because some of my papers honestly did have some faith involved in it because I was at I was at a Catholic high school when I was working on my doctorates and I said this will be kind of fun to do so I did integrate it and one of the things is Peter 410 is as each has one has re- received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace so right there yeah. you know my like I said a little bit ago your student's gift is technology and, and video production. Tap into that. Absolutely. Because, and, and, then, and then go from there. Yeah. And you might even get a free haircut out of it, right? <laughs> exactly. You never know. <laughs> well, Josh, it's been great to have you with us today in the Teacher's Lounge. Hopefully, if people have questions or concerns, we can maybe filter them your way and uh, let Absolutely. them pick your brain a little bit. I know that uh, that's one of our goals here at the Teacher's Lounge is to share resources and expertise that might help raise the level of education. And so thank you for your time to to share with us about project-based learning and connecting it back to why we do what we do. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Happy to help. And you keep doing your great, awesome stuff, Mr. Arnold and Curriculum Track. Uh, Really blessed to have you guys in our lives. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at curriculumtrack.com.